Yes, we do teach from the Bible. Uh, let's get that out of the way, first and foremost. We, we do that. We do that every week. And as a matter of fact, we are uh, straight out of the Bible, out of the Scripture today. We're living the Bible today. We're living it, living it. So what's, what's happening is this. In Hebrews chapter 11, if you've heard the background, you're going to hear it again. If you haven't heard the background, here we go. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's, it's known as the Bible's Faith Hall of Fame. And it starts by, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then for by it, the elders, which is the rest of the people in this chapter they talk about, obtained a good report. And then it goes to describe the most notable people in the Bible. It says, by faith, Noah built an ark. And by faith, all these people did these amazing things. Okay? And by faith, all these people did these things. And then the next chapter, Hebrews 12 and 1 says, now since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses pointing back at all the at all the heroes of the faith, pointing back at them, since we're surrounded by these people who have done these amazing things through faith, let us put off every weight. Notice they said weight first, because things slow us down sometimes more than sin does. So it said, let us lay aside every weight and sin that, that easily slows us down or entangles us, or King James says besets us, and let us run with patience the race that is marked before us. So it, it, it gives us these examples of all these people in Hebrews chapter 11 and then says, since you see these people, since they've done these things, look at them, but now it's time for you to run your race because they did it. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus and move forward. So the, the premise behind the series is we have this Hebrews faith hall of fame in, in Hebrews chapter 11, but nobody's going to build an ark. Nobody in this room is going to build an ark. If you do, it's because you have a hobby. <laughs> no one's going to get thrown in a, in a, a, a pen with lions and, and say, eat, you know, eat them. That's not going to happen. So we, we sometimes we can, take the, we can extract the principle out of something, but sometimes it's hard for us to identify with the story. So what we're doing in this series, this is our story. God is writing an amazing story through all of us. But this is our story, and we are recognizing we can't get everybody up here. We've got some amazing stories in this house. Yeah. Amazing stories of survival and recovery and perseverance and courage and faith. We can't get everybody up here, but we're sel we selected a few people, and we're sharing stories. So we are creating, I'm not trying to add to the Word of God, but we're creating our own Hebrews 11. Yeah. And it's the Life Center Hall of Fame, yeah. the Faith Hall of Fame. So when you face something, we're going to tell some stories here today. And you're going to see something that they faced, that, they've, that God's helped them with. You're going to see something in their story that you're going to identify with, and it's going to, give you, it's going to build your faith. Because faith comes by hearing. hearing. So when you hear these stories, your faith is going to be increased, and it's going to give you strength and encouragement to keep going forward. That's the whole point of what we're doing. So bear with us. Stay with us. Listen. Absorb what we're doing, what we're saying up here. And, and at, it's, it's going to be amazing. It already has been amazing. It has, yeah. It has been amazing. So um, a, a quick plug, there's a metal box. Everybody look, turn around and look at the metal box on the back wall. Diane's pointing at it. There's a metal box back there. And next week, um, yes, these cards are back there. Next week, the final week of this series, um, there's going to be two people up here, us two. And we're going to interview each other and tell our stories, how we got here, what we're all about, what we want to do, what we need to see. But there's a caveat to that. If you want to ask us anything, I can't promise we'll answer every question. <laughs> we'll answer appropriate questions. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to ask us anything, there are uh, post-it no cards back there on that metal box. You write a question down, put it in the box, and we'll look at it for next week. Yeah. Is that all right? That's keeping it real, right? 
So if you have a question, you know, why do you do what you do? How did you get where you are? You know, what do you, what do, you do when you face this? Jot those questions down, put them in there, and we'll try to address those questions next week. But it's going to be, again, awesome. And um, who's ready to get started? <laughs> Ross said, not me. <laughs> All right. Want to take a roll? Sure. So this is Aaron. That's Ross. And uh, I think starting off, I just, I want to, I want to thank him again for, for being courageous. How many of y'all know that the people that have been sitting on that couch there have been courageous over the past few weeks? Let's give them all a hand. Um, so it's, it's not the most comfortable thing to do, but I, I came across, uh, I, I guess because we've been talking about this, there's a scripture in James that says, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. And it's one thing, I read a devotional actually this morning, and the, the topic was about dealing with, with uh, secret sins that we all deal with, and how that it's, if you think you're just going to talk to God and, and just keep it in the dark, you'll be susceptible to falling prey to that sin all the time. But once you open that door and you make it known then there is a light of healing that comes in. And I want to thank every one of the people that have sat on this couch because that's what they've done. They haven't just done it. They've done it in front of everybody, right? And so it's huge. It takes courage. It takes strength. So um, thank you guys for, for doing that. So Aaron, we're going to start with, with you. We've, we've known you for quite a while. Um, you went to school with my, my son and daughter. Um, and so watched you kind of grow up into this strapping young man that you are today. <laughs> Um, but but there's, a, there's a part of your story that I want to obviously look at today. And so, I, you know, I know because we've talked about it, but you struggled with, with a lot of loneliness and depression uh, through a big part of your, your growing up years. So I'd like, I'd like for you to kind of unpack that a bit for us today. All right. So I'll just uh, start off saying I wasn't always the strapping young man that he's that he's talking about. Um, I know it might surprise you. Um, so I guess I'll just start like basically when I was 13, um, I would call myself a tree because I had a massive afro and I was very skinny. So the point of this is I wasn't exactly the most popular kid. I was somebody that, you know, some people might laugh at or just, you know, the typical teenage stuff that I would go through. But I guess the way it was different for me is because I felt so vulnerable so much. And I dealt with this, this sense of loneliness that like one day, you know, okay, I have friends, I'm great. And then the next day it's like late at night, I just feel like there's nobody there. And when that might not exactly be true, there's something that was always in my mind that was telling me nobody's there. Nobody cares about you. I could be hanging out with people, but feel alone in a crowded room. And it just, I was just in this dark place, and from, from 13 to, to 19 and 20 years old, um, I suffered with self-harm, and it's sad that anybody at all could reach a point when they could feel so vulnerable that they would do that to themselves, and I'm not going to get into to specific details. That's not the point of this, but the point is I would, the loneliness would, would just attack me so much as like I was my own worst enemy. When, when did you realize, like, through the struggles, not everyone even ever gets to a point where they can pull back and look at a situation and, and say, 
I, I need I need help with this. I can't, you know, some people struggle for decades with stuff like this, with feeling lonely and depressed and just loathing and self-hate and all those kinds of things, and they never get to the point where they say, I need help with this. I can't do this by myself. It's bigger than I am. When was that? How, how did that happen? Um, so basically, you know, I, I just said I started when I was 13, and it went all the way up into my college years. Uh, I would try to be at least a year clean, but I was always have some type of slip up, and I didn't realize until it was such a big issue until I, it was sophomore year of college, and I didn't know who my friends were. Uh, I was in a relationship for a year, and she she broke up with me on our year anniversary, and um, my mother was sick, and I would be away at college, and I'd come home, and I'd find out that my mother's dying, and I mean, she, she's better now, but she it's, it's so stressful to, to deal with the fact you're, you're so far away and your, your parents want you to succeed, but you're coming home and they're, they're self-destructing. And I got to a point that I just, I was so alone and I was laying in my dorm room because my roommate, he didn't even really care. We, I wasn't that close to him and I was laying on the ground bleeding and I was bleeding out and something hit me that this isn't, this isn't the end for me. I have so much more to do. I have, I have a niece who I believe she was seven at the time. She needs me, and, and I, I cannot just let things end like that. And I, I got up, cleaned myself up, and I went back to church here. Yeah, yeah. So obviously part of what we're talking about, Aaron, is, is the loneliness is, is kind of closed in. It keeps you isolated. It keeps you separated from everyone. What was it? This is kind of a follow-on to the previous question, but what was it that gave you the courage to actually reach out? And I, I don't know if I was the first person you contacted, but I was one of the people you contacted at one point. So what was it that, like, how did you have the courage to break through the barrier that keeps us from, from asking for help? So I always struggle because whenever I would try to reach out to anybody, um, that I, I would feel in my mind as if, oh, they don't actually care. They're not doing the most above and beyond thing. And, you know, somebody can bend over backwards, but then you might still feel like, oh, well, they're not doing this one thing that I want them to do. And when I, when I came back into church, you know, I, I was very close-minded. When I first came back here, I, I was like, ah, I don't really care. I'm just another person, blah, blah, blah. But I realized, I was like, you know, I need to go out, out of myself a little bit. And I remember you know, Pastor Andrew, he grabbed me right before I walked out of those doors. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get involved a little bit, and, and I'm going to I'm going to take that extra step, and and give it a chance. So the first person you reached out to was was Pastor Andrew. Yes. And what was the time period from the time where you had the realization I've got to go back to church, I've got to make this connection? Was it the same service all that happened, or was it a matter of weeks, days, months? It it's a constant process even now. That's right. And, you know, I always have, you know, I, I think every time that I'm able to come up here, I'll do VBS, making an absolute fool out of myself with it's a awesome. construction sure. helmet. He's a, <laughs> he's a great actor. It's, it's great. It's pretty, it, you should see it. It's, it's awesome. And I thank them for those opportunities. You have to grasp every single opportunity. You know, I'm being constantly shaped even right now sitting in this, on this sofa. Yeah. How, how much has being involved how much does that help versus just coming to church? Well, I'll tell you right now, we, we had a men's group I was involved with, and I realized that 
I can provide outside of church this safe haven to people. I can, you know, be a friend to others and, you know, be a light unto this world. And I, you know, I realize that not, you know, I come into church be a smiling face, but I, I have to take that outside. I was in college at the time. You know, most people in college, you know, there's people that's drinking and drugs and a whole bunch of type of things. And you, I realize I, I have to be the symbol of hope to people that, that that's not all there is. And I chose to do that. And I've seen, I've seen people impacted in their lives. And I'll, I'll still do it today in, in the workplace now that I've graduated. <laughs> so clearly there is a connection between, um, between the, the choices we make, the actions we take. So attending church is not, is not the solution, right? It's engaging because um, like the four things that are on the wall out there, find Christ, uh, find freedom, uh, find out who you are, and then, then making a difference. And those, those last two pieces really are critical to, to healing because we're, we're saved. A redemptive work that Christ does in us begins a work that puts us on a path, right? And the goal here, and we, we prayed in our morning prayer here this morning, we exist here to help other people find hope and find Christ. And so doing that is what brings that level of freedom. So what would you say um, what would you say to someone maybe in their younger years like you were or even now that, that struggles with that kind of depression and darkness? You know, what would you tell them how, how to fight that, how to stand against it? What would you say? I would say that hope is not just a word. It's an acronym. It's an acronym for hold on pain ends. And I could have laid on that floor and I could have bled out and I could have died. But you know what I chose to do instead? I chose, I chose to get up. I have a government contracting job right now. I have a nephew who is almost three months old who wasn't even supposed to be on this earth. And I have all that that I'm able to experience firsthand because I, I chose to, to hold on because my pain ended. And, and anybody, anybody who's right here right now, I guarantee you, if you're struggling right now, there's, that means something good is coming right now. Because I'll tell you right now, these past two weeks, I have really struggled. The moment, the moment he told me, you know, oh, you're going to speak, I was like, whoa. And I, I'm sitting right here, and, and between these past two weeks, I have struggled with things I would not even imagine would come to hit, hit me. Because, but I'm a warrior of God, and I know that he's not going to give me anything I can't handle. And I know right now someone in here is getting touched. Amen. How old are you right now? How old are you right now? I am 22 years old. 22 years old. So right now, he's, he's, he's up here with us, and he's been self-aware and dealing with this now for two to three years. Yep. As you go through this process, does it get easier to deal with and recognize and put in its place? It definitely gets put in its place. It <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> Like I said, it, it's a constant process. You constantly move through. There are going to be times that are harder than others, but I just keep in my mind that, that there's, there's a reason for that. I know that's so cliche to say, oh, there's a reason for everything, but that is, that is as true as it gets. But, but what's even better is while I'm in church, I know that reason is God. Awesome. As, as you go through this journey, obviously we all have a prayer life where we talk to God throughout the day different times, and you're able, when, when something like this hits, to, to reach out to him. In this struggle, how often do you reach out to a person, say, hey, I need, I need some extra help right now? Often, I might not exactly, you know, reach out. I mean, I might, you know, somebody asks you, okay, you say, you, okay, I'm all right. I mean, sometimes, you know, I just talk a little bit about it. But what I do is, 
I feel like that's the moment that I need to step up and, and, and still be that light because it keeps me going. And, you know, we all have, you know, you got to find some type of mentor. We all have our mentors, but you know, it works through prayer. It works through confining, you know, in your pastors or just maybe confining a fellow friend because they might be struggling with what you're struggling with and they end up helping you and you actually just help them. Amazing. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. I just so want to add a piece here. Um, the thing that, and I know it's, it's more, um, I think, recognized publicly than it ever used to be, but depression and loneliness is one of those hidden things that we put the mask on and nobody really knows what you're dealing with. So it's a very, it's a very dark and lonely place. So um, obviously Christ is the answer. Uh, taking a step of action. That's why it's in the book of James. If you want healing, complete wholeness, you gotta, you got to open that, that door up, confess your faults one to another. So finding help. So, so if you're one of those people that's in that kind of position, don't try to battle it by yourself. You, you can't fight it by yourself. God's the answer, and God connects you to people that can fight with you, and you're not meant to do it alone. And I think that is the message, and I've watched Aaron live it out, and it's awesome to, to the fact that you're sitting on that couch instead of us having a funeral a few years ago. Yeah. Something significant that was said a few minutes ago is, is he found a group of, of men. Pastor Andrew had a small group of uh, late teenage boys yeah. from 17 to 19, 20 years old. And that's when he was in that age group. And they met for two years, three or years, three, three years, three I years. Think, they met almost every Wednesday night. Um, and working and mentoring and those kinds of things. Uh, we're just saying that real life change happens in the context of relationships. Right. And he said one of the key things for him was finding a group outside of church that he could connect with and talk to and work with. And that was, that was his small group. Yeah. And that changed his life. And there are other guys in this room that, that changed their life. And they're in, the, they're in here and they serve every single right. week in some area. Why? Because they were in a small group. Life change happened in the context of those relationships, and now not only do they come to church, not only are they a part of the body of Christ, they make a difference every They're single week. They make a difference, yeah. So there's, if you'll notice, there's a direct line that travels from not just coming to church, but being involved in something outside yeah, of, this, right. of this meeting right here <laughs> that actually establishes you to a point where just coming to church won't do. Right. And not only do you get more established and connected, you're able to find out that I, I need to do something to make a difference. I need to serve somewhere. And it, it's not just about being here right now in this moment. Yeah. It's about what am I doing from Monday through Saturday that makes a difference in my life and someone else's life and the kingdom of God. Yeah. I got to say something about that small group. So every time we met, we didn't talk about, you know, Aaron's pain and suffering. <laughs> Right, or everybody in the everybody in the group didn't come, you know, belly aching about their struggles in life. Sometimes we went to Starbucks and we just laughed and talked about the latest movie we saw. Or, you know, I was surrounded by a bunch of nerds and their superheroes, and and so, so so we just had great conversation and it was fun. And 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 I, I will say this about Aaron: if you see Aaron, he usually has somebody with him, and the somebody's with him. It, it's Sometimes it's girls, and I'm not sure what his motivation is, but uh, generally he's got a friend with him or some, some younger uh, guy that he's working with or just being a friend to. And so that same, what Pastor Scott was just talking about, 
He's living it out because he understands the value of it. And we've tried to launch many times small groups in our church, and, and, and we're getting to the point now where it's happening, happening because people understand its value. You don't have to convince Aaron about the value of a small group. No. Um, there are several guys in this church you don't have to convince about the value of that small group because they understand that relationships, uh, what did you say? Life change happens in the context of relationships. That is a true, true, true statement. Yep. So, Awesome. Everybody give it a hand. Does everybody know this guy? Change my mind. I want to go first. Can <laughs> <laughs> I go first? <laughs> no. This is Ross. This is Ross. <laughs> Ross. Ross is not nervous. Not at all. At all. <laughs> uh, Ross is, is an amazing guy, and uh, he's brought a lot of life to the Life Center. <laughs> we, we love Ross. Well Ross said. is a ton of fun. Yeah. And uh, Ross is, is doing, he's living out... <laughs> He's living out an amazing story, yeah. and he's going to share some of that with us today. I, I'm honored that, that he's here, that Shannon's here, that Nevaeh's here, and, and his, his family. Um, he's, made a, he's made a big difference in, in me and, and our church, and he's about to unpack some of this story. So um, he's got an amazing story. So let's, let's start with this. Um, <laughs> a lot of things happen in, in Ross's in, in, in Ross's life, and and if you don't know, he's he's the he and Shan are instrumental in getting our NA meeting here on Sunday. That's Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, Ross is, was addicted. I believe you are now eleven years clean. Twenty eight. Couple days. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Almost eleven years. That's a, that's an amazing number. And he's going to talk about that today. But Ross, specifically, you can start where you want to. But what was it in your life that led you down the road to addiction? Yeah. First of all, I want to. Uh, yeah, you can get it there. Yeah, I want to get it that quick. Got to hear you. Yeah. I want to thank Aaron and all the ones that paved the path before me and showing me that it's you can get up here and I know I've done it before, but like it never gets easier, obviously. Um, so thank you, Danielle, all the other ones that went before me. Um, oh man, you can't tell. So anyway, my, my story is not that unique. Um, it's, I've been grateful enough and like, I'm just a survivor is really what I am. I mean, and, uh, God's got a purpose for me, and I was able to overcome what I've been through just to share for other people, and um, so it's really not that unique, but I want to say, like, on the way here, I was, I said, I hope I'm not going first. I really hope I'm not going first, and then, <laughs> and then my, my daughter, which is amazing, and she says from the back seat, she says, Dad, you have an amazing story, and I said, Really? Why, why, why is that, honey? I mean, what have you heard? You know. <laughs> so she says, "You met mommy." <laughs> <laughs> I 
So I was, so I was relieved, uh -huh. right? But at the same sense, yes, that is amazing. Because my, my wife has been a great supporter of uh, where I'm at today. Anyway, um, just to unpack what drove me to where I was, was um, in a nutshell, which is big nutshell. <laughs> I was uh, nine brothers and sisters, right? And uh, again, it's not that unique. I just had a big family. And uh, my mother really couldn't do what, and my father really couldn't do for us the way that I guess a normal childhood should have been. They did the best they could with what they had, and I understand that, and for who they were. But I know they had some medical issues as far as schizophrenic, and you know, my dad still suffers from some stuff, and then, uh, so just early on, I can remember just, and there's some other stuff, but like, um, like three different fathers for all these kids, and like, my family tree isn't so much of a family tree. It's like a bush. <laughs> it doesn't really go anywhere. It just... So, like... <laughs> I don't... I still don't understand who's who. But, like, I got some cousins that could be sisters and sisters. So, like... It's a little overwhelming just thinking about it. But I want to say... <laughs> With a straight face. Dark. I like the word dark. It's <laughs> so, so like, with all that happening and like, like, I should have worn my glasses because I can't see. You You're fine. You're good. I'm good. So, like, I can just remember like the four oldest going with their dad, me and my brother going with my dad, and like, we all get separated, right? Because my mom really couldn't yeah. do what she would. So I go with my dad, and um, and they all go. They got to be a little luckier, I suppose, because me and my brother didn't wind up so lucky. And my, my father, so they split up for a reason. It's because he went to prison for being, you know, a nuisance to society. Let's put it that way. And um, so he came home, and then we, he got us. But um, I, he, like I said, I, like I just remember days where I was, um, you know, being neglected. Right. I remember just like not eating for a few days and just being, you know, like. And just. So to me, this seemed normal. Right. It doesn't really it didn't really unfold and impact in my life until I got older. And when I was able to understand. That that like that, that's not a normal childhood. You know, being put in a dress. Right. And being beat. But I share that only because, like, that happens. That happens to people. But it doesn't have to be who I am. And I can learn, per se, and make a difference from, you know, what I've been through. But anyway, it just goes on and on. But uh, if I, I don't think I would have changed anything. Because of who I am today is because of where I come from. And uh, it's made me who I am. But I owe all the credit to God because let, let me just say this, that like I thought people that went to church then was weird, right? I thought they were weird. I said, you guys are nuts. But anyway, what I come to realize now is that like 
they were the ones that saved my life because you guys would pray for me. And uh, I'm grateful. And uh, so, like, the least I can do is, well, anyway, I guess I can get to all that. But that's what led me to use, I mean, like, the first time I ever sniffed heroin. But it got a lot worse. So I was the guy that you walked on the other side of the street when I came down the street. And uh, you didn't want to look at me or say hi because, you know, well, let's face it, I wasn't approachable. And, uh, I'm, you know, so that was the bitter end for me. And uh, I, I've OD'd a lot of times, and I put myself in harm's way a lot of times and uh, to get one more. And I really just used to cover up the feelings. So it's really because of just feelings. I, does, does that yep. pretty much sum it up? It does. <laughs> so I no, remember. No, you're fine. Yeah, you're good. I remember, um, I don't know if it was, I feel like it was a, a huge God moment for me when I, I was invited to attend your tenure uh, right here. And uh, I laughed and cried and then cried all the way home. And, and it was, I was a wreck. <laughs> I got home and I told my wife, I was like, I don't know if I should have gone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you told some things there um, at that, that night that I, I have never, I couldn't even imagine. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to try to tell this piece of the story without crying. <laughs> I told them there's a box of tissues up there, and they looked at me funny. I was like, they're for me. <laughs> so you told a lot of, sto- a lot of things, and, and there were different low points. And the question here is, at what point did you realize that you couldn't live that way any longer? So that's the question. But there was one thing that, that as a dad, you, you told that story, and I remember you know, you were really talking about your family, and it was amazing that night. But I remember you telling a story of when you were in a foster home. And it was, I'm going to have a hard time, dude. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was Christmas, and you had been given a lot of presents. And then th- that your foster, I guess your social worker came and picked you up, and, and um, they were going to take you to another home. And you asked about your gifts, and, and they said they were for the next kid. And I just, I pretty much lost it. Um, when I heard that, and and then I, and then I wondered, you know, how many other, how many other kids, you know, face that, and to realize that, you know, when, when a child is damaged and hurt like that, the path that gets that gets charted for them, is almost without their control. Uh, what you thought was normal, you just said it. You thought that was normal. Um, and I can't say enough that when we understand that we're, we're called to be Christ, we really are called to be Christ. And, and um, so your story, obviously, you, you didn't, so many things you said that, that day, but uh, one particular time you were in the hospital and you, you, you had a major issue, and I thought maybe that was the point when you, you know, surely you couldn't get any any worse than that, but, but in your words, what was that moment when you realized that either there's got to be a God or God doesn't exist and he's left me on my own, or at what point did you realize you couldn't live that way anymore? Well, let's face it, 
my best decisions got me where I was. So at this point, there was, there was really nothing that, like, I could decide at that point to change anything of where I was because everything that I've chosen was, well, I failed miserably, let's face it. I mean, like you said, I was in the hospital, and it, like, numerous times. But, like I said, what it was for me is just one particular time I was laying, and I and I just couldn't move. It was days on end, and I just remember, like, it was a little blurry, but I remember my, my brother standing over top of me while I was, you know, I was in, I was in a bad position, and I couldn't move, and I just remember him saying to me, there's a better way, and uh, that stuck with me, and uh, so, like I said, as far as God goes, it, it seemed un, unmatched. I, I couldn't grasp it, right? So the program was really is what attracted me, right? And it worked, but it's not the only thing that's going to work for me continuous, right? And, um, can you repeat the question? <laughs> I think you answered it. You did. <laughs> you so, answered so it. You, you, get, <laughs> you just got us to the point where you found NA. Yeah. And, and you, you realize that NA works. The steps work. It helps you leave behind what you've been and what you've done. So you, you're, NA, you're in NA. You realize it's working. At what point do you realize that God was working in your life to bring you you couldn't see where you couldn't see yourself sitting here doing this. So, at what point did you realize, "Hey, God is doing something in my life"? Well, the minute I, I don't really know. I mean, I, I really don't know. I, like I said, I, I know it's not me, right? None of none of this is really me. I'm just a small part of a big picture, right? And. Uh, I just remember that, like, out of sheer desperation, out of sheer desperation, that's the name of the meeting, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, I would do whatever it took, and that I knew he had my back. And I still struggled. I still struggled. But it's the miracles beyond measure that's happened day in and day out since the day that I made that decision. To, to, follow, to follow on that, before you came to Life Center, how long have you been here now? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. You got to talk to my manager. <laughs> <laughs> she, knows, she keeps track of all that stuff. Uh, before that, before your experience here, had you already begun a relationship with Jesus, or did all that happen after you came here? So listen, there's ton of two separate entities, right? Uh -huh. But it's all spiritual in nature, so for me it's the same. It's God, mm -hmm. but in the very beginning, it was a higher power, mm -hmm. right? Something greater than me mm -hmm. that, right. that had my best interest at heart, and it was going to walk the path with me for okay. the most part and guide me mm -hmm. to where I need to be, which is, like you said, a soldier of the war, the biggest war I've ever fought. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets harder, then it gets easier. Mm -hmm. You know, where am I at? Where are we doing? Amazing. <laughs> So, 
I think I, I think this story is right because Shannon said this at the at uh, when I was there after ten years. Like you guys, I'd asked you guys before, like why did you come to church here? What brought you here? And then apparently Shannon had a list of of churches that you guys are supposed to try out. And then I think did you tear up the list after 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 getting here? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, God has a way of doing some pretty amazing things. So I echo what Pastor Scott said to begin with. When you guys got here, something significant and special happened happened to the Life Center because you guys are here. And so we're truly grateful, truly grateful. And I will I, I, I will say that um, you know knowing this place is, has a parking lot full of people on Sunday night at six o'clock. Man, there are many Sunday nights. I just thank God that. The NA group is meeting uh, here, and and uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating. So um, I think this is kind of an obvious question, but I, I want to say it anyway. Um, so what is it? So there's a lady at Walmart that you've been feeding for years, um, and there's you've told me about sponsees that you've worked with. You've told me about going and getting them at very rough places, and and just you have a heart to reach out to people. Uh, what is it that, that keeps, because you're, you're in a much better place now, and I've seen this in my lifetime, that people that come from very, very humble beginnings, struggling in the beginning, sometimes when they get to the position where they are doing pretty well, they become hoarders. They don't share with anyone. <laughs> you're like the polar opposite of that. Um, and so what is it, in, in your words, that, that keeps you wanting to reach out to other, other people that are in need? Let's face it, I'm sitting here because somebody did it for me. How could I be that ungrateful? That's part of, I mean, that's, that's part of the way we all should be, to be honest, because the world would not be the world or even a better place if we didn't. Right. Um, and, and I'm just, I want to say that it's attraction rather than promotion. We lead by example, right? And, uh, I am a creation of God in his image, and I like, and I, and I, I stick with that because I have a bigger purpose yeah. rather than just laying in a gutter somewhere, like you said, bleeding out, and, uh, and we all do. Yeah. We, I mean, everyone's sitting here. We wouldn't be here if we didn't. We'd be one of the fallen ones, but we're not. We're one of the chosen ones, and I don't really know why he chose me. <laughs> I, I got nothing. I don't know. <laughs> But again, it just makes sense. <coughs> I'm a realistic, and that just makes sense, though I can't grasp what it exactly is. Yeah. I just have a bigger purpose, and we all should pay it forward. I just, I solely believe, I mean, I truly believe that. That's the purpose. Yep. That's it. So it's, it's established that, you know, we've said that it's a joy having you and your family here. It's, it's amazing. It, it, I told this a couple weeks ago. But if you don't know, they're, they're trying to start a second meeting, a second night of the week. The first one's full. Um, it's full almost every week. So they're trying to expand to a second meeting and, and just keep doing God's work. And it's an amazing thing. I, I wasn't going to do this, but I am. Um, <laughs> where's the door? <laughs> um, if you don't know, uh, the NA meeting on, what's it called? Sheer, de sheer Desperation? Sheer desperation is henceforth known as sheer desperation. Sheer desperation has been instrumental in people coming to church. And really quickly, just less like th five seconds, if you're here uh, because of Ross, 
because of sheer desperation, because of Shannon. Stand up for me real quick. it again and that's the great commission that is the great commission your story our story affecting other people creating positive change creating life change in someone's life because of what God has done in ours so this is Hebrews 12 in action it is it is it is. You've heard, different, you've heard different struggles today, both, both very real struggles, but you've heard about God helping us overcome, empowering us to do better, empowering us to be better, and then empowering us to make a difference in someone else's life. Yeah. That's the Great Commission. Yes. What did Jesus say before he, was, before he ascended to heaven in Acts 1? You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, yeah. and then you'll be witnesses. Where? Everywhere you go. Right. Your life, your story is the witness. Sometimes you don't have to open your mouth. They can see the progression of your life, and your story will impact someone. So as we hear these stories, besides the two of us, we're finished hearing stories from the congregation. But as you've heard these stories, now we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Let's throw off every weight. Whatever slows you down, let's throw off every, every problem, every weight, and every sin that slows us down, that tangles us up that keeps us from God's promise in our life, and let's move forward looking to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Yeah. Let me just tag in. If one of the key threads that these guys are talking about is their involvement, connecting with other people, you can't pay it forward sitting in your living room by yourself. Nope. Right? You can't make an impact in someone's life detached from people. You've got to connect with people. Uh, and I think that is, that, is, that is such a huge realization, understanding. So if, you, if you're newer here to this community and you don't know how to get involved, how I can be in, what can I do, next Sunday after church, Growth Track starts. Mm. Be here for that because we'll walk you through four weeks of just understanding who we are as a community, understanding who you are as a person and who what your special gifts that God created you with, how that can be used to touch somebody else's life. So if you have not gone through Grow Track, please do. These guys all have, and it really made some clarification. <laughs> it really <laughs> clarified some things, and it helped them find a, play, a way to get plugged in and connected. So the goal here at this church, we don't do religion here. We do Jesus here. That's right. And we do. That's right. Right? And how we do that is we try to do what he did. And what he did was live, walk, work, be with people, right? We f he, kn he knew who he was and he lived it out. He's trying to help us know who we are so we can live it out. And when we do that, man, it just, it just brings such freedom to people's lives. Let's give these two a hand again.